0: I may or may not have uh, remembered that it was daylight savings time, but we are here on time and we are ready. And um, you would never know, hopefully, we'll see. Um, and uh, you maybe noticed the slide, uh, we've had kind of a fun dilemma uh, of, okay, we're now have a new sanctuary, what are we going to name this old sanctuary? And um, there were a lot of different options, but um, we looked at um, Acts 2, uh, 42, and the, and the whole passage, Acts 2, 42 to 47, that talks about the life of the early church um, in many ways informs what we are trying to be as a church at Redeemer. A lot of the activities that the early church um, you know, was involved with are, are what we are wanting to to be involved with as well. And Acts 2.42, you know, talks about four of those activities, um, dedicating themselves to the the teaching, to fellowship, being together, uh, pursuing Christ together, partnering together in their relationship, the breaking of bread and prayers. And so we thought, man, those are all activities that this room, we want to use this room for. Um, And actually, we are already using this room for that. We had a men's breakfast the other day, we had the, the women's brunch yesterday, and uh, we're you know in here every week um, for adult class now, and the youth, of course, will continue using this room to, to do all of those things, and so we thought, hey, why not every time we use the name of this room, remind ourselves of why we're using it. So we're going to be calling this the 242 room, uh, henceforth. So just a little FYI on that. Alright, so we are continuing our class, Biblical Sexuality, and we are now on our fourth, so we're on the eighth class of the, of the series, but we're on the fourth class now, talking about homosexuality and, and transgender. Um, and, and that's been a good thing, I, I'm glad that we've been able to slowly make our way through these complicated, sensitive, but important topics, and uh, I've enjoyed the discussion and, um, yeah, so we, um, we kind of walked through our denominations position paper that had 12 statements, uh, in regard to these things. And then, um, but, but the position paper only touched on transgender, it more talked about, uh, same-sex attraction. And so the last couple weeks we've, uh, dived a little more deeply into transgender issues and, um, remember, I kind of organized the discussion on, okay, what is the biblical position, and then uh, what is the biblical posture? How do we take that position, and, and what kind of posture do we hold it with in the world? And so we looked more deeply and, and kind of finished our discussion of the biblical position last time, and so we looked at how, you know, right away in Genesis 1, um, when God creates Humanity, Uh, part of being in God's image is being male and female. And, you know, there's no distinction between the biology, uh, biological sex, and gender. And then the fall happens, but that same rhythm of, you know, no distinction between biological sex and gender comes right back up in Genesis 5. It's affirmed uh, throughout the Old Testament, and then it's affirmed by Christ in Matthew 19. Um, the same language of being created male and female. Even in a context where Jesus is talking about eunuchs, he still affirms male and female, um, biological sex and gender. And we talked a little bit about how the Bible, um, kind of the biblical anthropology is that we are embodied souls, that our souls and our bodies are, are one in a mysterious way. And we gave the example of Psalm 139 where you see David doesn't distinguish between his, his personality and his body, um, and who he is and who his body is. Um, we saw that it, what some, one of the things that's at stake is, is Christ and the church, uh, you know, the male and female um, distinction. Uh, part of what that is pointing to ultimately is the, the union of Christ and the church um, in, in the final days. We looked at Deuteronomy 22 where it specifically speaks against cross-dressing and gave some context to that passage. We looked at 1 Corinthians 6, um, that word uh, where it talks about um, and and talks against, that uses especially a specific language of of a, a male who's acting like a woman. And then uh, we talked about the eunuch passage. We talked about how we are to receive the body God has given us with with, um, gratefulness. Um, You know, Psalm 139, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see uh, gratefulness there. And then um, just Gnosticism and how much the Bible speaks against Gnosticism in different ways and how sort of this separation of mind and body is a very Gnostic thought coming back so, we've walked through all of those, so now we're talking about posture, I kind of introduced that last time. One of the things I said is just the importance of triage in the sense of, okay, we need to know the person, It's it's we need to take this person by person. Yes, there's just some general truths we need to know, but we also need to um, understand who's right in front of us if we're having to deal with these things, and one of the major things to know is, okay, are we dealing with someone who's a believer, who's... Um, you know, seeking biblical faithfulness in this, or are we dealing with someone who's an unbeliever, um, who will you know have much, you know, who won't really care much about what the Bible says about this? Uh, and we probably we, we need to have different approaches. There's some overlap, but there's going to be some different ways to approach. But for all, um, we need to have grace and truth. We need to be doves with snake brains. Um, as Jesus says, uh, innocent as doves and wise and cunning as, as servants. Uh, I, you know, one of the things I came across in my reading, there's a guy who interviewed lots of transgender people, and one of, the, one of the quotes that stuck out to him is, if you've met one transgender person, you have met one transgender person. No two experiences are the same. Um, and that's a quote about transgender. If you remember a while back, I said, okay, once I get more to the application, I'm going to kind of combine applications to homosexuality and transgender. There, there will be a little bit of um, specific practic- practical wisdom for either one, but a lot of it will just apply to, to engaging in either setting. Um, there's little known about the causes um, Of transgender or homosexuality, but there's lots of different examples. Um, I've I've listened to the story of a a gal named Laura Perry. I'll be recommending her book at the end. Uh, She's a a Christian woman who uh, had transitioned. She had lived the lifestyle of transgender and um, had transitioned. And and then I would, you know, I definitely recommend her story of, of all the things God did in her life to to bring her back to Christ, and then she, you know, embraced that she's a female. But you know, talking about, you know, the complications of of whether how much to know and how much we can know about causes. Um, she mentions in her particular story, her mom had miscarried two boys before her, so she had an older brother, and then her mom had two miscarriages of boys, and then at her. And her mom had never fully grieved those miscarriages, and so her and her mom were never very close, and um, she never felt accepted as a girl uh, with her mom. And so she, she remembers from a young age just not liking being a girl, especially because it just didn't get her mom's favor. And then she ended up at 14 um, finding out that she had this rare condition that would, um, one of the side effects meant she wasn't going to be able to have children, and so that made her... She already struggled with her female body, and then she wasn't even going to be able to have children, and so she didn't like her female body all the more, um, and then she had some uh, pretty uh, horrible relationships with men that caused her to want to, you know, be a better, like, be a better man, like, become a man and show women what men should look like, and so that's not true for every transgender person, but that's her story, and that. That's, that helps you see that there are, there are definitely some things that can influence someone um, to become transgender. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, some who, you know, become homosexual or transgender, and we've talked about how some people, it's, it's all they ever know. Um, but um, some have interests, especially as a child, that aren't stereotypical for their gender. And um, they are ostracized for that, and it kind of pushes them more extremely in the other direction. They're not taught how to embrace their gender while still having interests in things that maybe aren't the stereotype for that gender. And I've, I've read some people who say that, that that can be an influence. It's not the only, but it can be where you know they're, not, they're never in a setting where they are taught how to be faithful with their gender, but also... Um, you know, express themselves maybe a little bit differently than the stereotype. Um, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, but Christopher Yuan, he says the, um, you know, the goal for someone—he's talking more specifically about those struggling with homosexuality. The goal, especially in the church, should not ultimately be heterosexuality. The goal should be holiness, um, and that's that's just recognizing that. Um, people are going to have these struggles. Most of them are going to have them the rest of their life. Um, and the goal is holiness. And uh, I've heard also someone say discussions of kind of trying to figure out what's the cause of homosexuality or transgender or, or a cure, and that's a little bit different for transgender, but discussions of cause or cure, those are congested highways. Um, those aren't as helpful to, to put all of your energy towards. The, the most important is to love them and help them walk towards holiness. Um, And for transgender, there's really no agreement on on influences. I've given, you know, an example of one, but it's a combination of genetic, neurodevelopment, and psychological. Give a little bit of word on just how complicated these things are, if you didn't know that already. Um, All right, so biblical posture. Let's start. I'm going to kind of say some things about... Believers who struggle with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, and then we'll talk about posture towards um, unbelievers in the same vein. So towards believers, the church needs to be a place where those who struggle with these things can talk about them and who can receive care and who can um, experience uh, the love of Christ. Uh, this, is, this, is, this cannot be emphasized enough, um, and, and so I, I think that's something that we need to be reminded of and remember that if, if someone walked through the doors this morning who struggled with these things, how, how would they be handled? Um, how would we interact with them? What would our even initial conversations with them be like if we found out uh, we need to uh, think through, okay, how can we be a place that uh, they can experience the love of Christ? Obviously, that includes some hard conversations that will probably have to happen, but also compassion. I think about Isaiah 56. There's a passage that's kind of talking more future-oriented, and one of the, the promises it makes, one of the, the visions it gives to God's people is this, is this idea of the eunuchs being welcomed in. Um, eunuchs in that society uh, would have been in many ways um, not welcomed in in many spaces and not treated well and I think it's just a neat picture uh, that God gives in Isaiah 56 of you know the eunuchs being welcomed into his kingdom and I think there's a call there for God's people to be a place that um, you know is uh, is a warm and welcoming place uh, with grace and truth. So Grace. Let's talk, okay, we, we use that phrase grace and truth a lot. Let's, let's kind of dig a little deeper. What do we mean by grace? I think the first thing, first part of having grace in our posture is humility. Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. Relating to or talking to or any situation dealing with human beings. We have our own things in our life. That we wish we didn't struggle with. We wish we could be done struggling with them. Things that they're going to be dealing with that, you know, anyone here who, who doesn't struggle with those things is not dealt with. And so, treating them like an image bearer. Um, one of our first instincts uh, in, in dealing with someone with these struggles should be they are an image bearer. Um, and how might that uh, change the way we move towards them? Uh, it means patience. If you remember when we walked through the the 12 statements in that denominational um, uh, position paper, uh, it had one statement on sanctification or growing in holiness. And it emphasized, okay, the importance for all believers to grow in holiness, but also those who struggle with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. They are called as well to grow in holiness. And, um, but then they say, nevertheless, those who struggle with same-sex attraction should expect... To grow in holiness, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, should expect to grow in holiness, but this progress will often be slow and uneven. And I think that's an important reminder. They say, moreover, growth in holiness involves the whole person, not simply unwanted sexual desires. The aim of sanctification in one's sexual life cannot be reduced to attraction to persons of the opposite sex, though some persons may experience movement in that direction. And there's many examples of that but it rather involves growing in grace and perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's just a more elaborate way to say what Christopher Ewan says is the goal is not heterosexuality, the goal is holiness. And, um, and there are some, like it says, that, that will deal with this struggle the rest of their life, um, but are still called to holiness. And, and I think of Paul's thorn in the flesh. You know, he asked God to take it away uh, he asked him again to take it away, um, and God did not take it away, um, but Paul was able to be given the perspective of um, just the 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 weakness that that brought in his life, um, led him to find more strength in Christ, and so I think there is a way that we could even think about you know someone who struggles with same-sex attraction and will struggle with it the rest of their life, but um, it, it could be kind of like Paul's thorn in the flesh. It's something that they have to deal with, um, but... The strength from the Holy Spirit is sufficient to um, to give them strength in that weakness for their Christian walk. <laughs> what else does it look like? What else does it mean to have grace? Uh, it's to have a relationship and to cultivate a relationship with the person. Um, you know, maybe you have a, a friendship with someone who's a believer, who you maybe even have suspicions. Does this person struggle with same-sex attraction? Does this person struggle with gender dysphoria? Uh, Christopher Yuan in his book, he says, if you're suspicious of anything, don't prod. Don't prod at all. Let them open up about that struggle in their own time. Never never assume. Um, but he also says, do cultivate a relationship and have space to establish the kind of trust that would l- let them feel safe to open up with you. Um, he he mentions, here's one way you could, could say that, and there's, there's so many different ways to say what he, this, but he says, one thing you could say to them is, I'm thankful God put you in my life. Whatever you say or do won't change our friendship. Um, and, and, and words like that in a relationship with a believer who potentially struggles with these things can, can maybe deepen uh, a, a sense of trust that would allow them down the road to open up about these things, which we would want to happen. Uh, we want people who struggle with these things to um, be able to talk about them in the church. There's so many stories of, of people um, where they just never wanted to talk about it and they struggled alone, um, and that made it worse. <laughs> and also just the fact to remember that, that these people who with these struggles are lonely. They already feel isolated in some ways, and, and they feel shame. Um, so, so giving them an experience of love. So That's a little bit about grace. Um, but There's also truth. And um, yes, there's hard truth, and we'll get to that. But there's also um, comforting truth. We need to you know, be able to preach the gospel to these people, that they are forgiven, that there is no condemnation in Christ. Um, even though these sins often in the church can feel like worse sins, than others, the way that we talk about them or treat people, uh, we need to be able to preach the truth that there is no condemnation in Christ. But we also need to call them to repentance um, and, and be able to show that, um, you know, same-sex desire or gender dysphoria are not according to God's design or not according to God's will, as we've talked about the last several weeks and shown all the places in Scripture that help us see that. Uh, we need to help them embrace their new identity in Christ. Um, and that's, that's some of what that position paper was trying to get at. Um, it's, it can be so easy because this, these struggles can become all-consuming. It can be so easy to find your identity in those struggles. Um, and it's okay to, to talk about them and think about them, but we also need to help people um, in these spaces to, to really live into their identity in Christ. And then um, discipleship, walking with them. Um, but all of life discipleship. Yes, holiness in this area, but holiness in all areas, and don't just focus on that area. Um, And this this doesn't quite naturally flow from this, but one thing I did want to say is is one person I read, Robert Smith, as he was thinking about, he was talking about transgender. um, He said, how should we think about Gender incongruence and distress it produces. In light of the Bible's teaching and the absence of any compelling evidence for regarding it as a type of intersex condition, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, genuine dis- gender dysphoria is best regarded as a psychological disorder. In other words, despite what is sometimes claimed, there is no reason, either biblical or scientific, to believe that a person can have either the brain or soul of one sex in the body of another. It may be a person's strong feeling or deeply held conviction, but it is not an objective fact. As one of the tragic effects of the fall, the gender dysphoric person is suffering from, and I didn't like the word to used there, but I'll just say the brokenness of the mind. So just like some struggle with severe depression or anxiety, and there are factors beyond the spiritual involved, so too can someone's mind experience brokenness in the area of disordered attractions or feelings uh, of being a different gender. And this doesn't make it easier on them to name it as such. But it does, uh, you know, help um, give a little more context and it also helps keep us rooted to truth uh, while still being pastorally oriented in discussions and, and relationship with them. So with that in mind, we, we empathize with people's struggles. You know, if a, if a believer, if they're a believer, of course, um, if they don't want those desires, we grieve with them, but we also call them to integrity. And commit to walking with them towards that. So that's um, that's uh, just a word about biblical posture towards believers. Any questions on that? Or comments? Right. All right. So, what about to an unbeliever, someone who um, you know? has these struggles, they wouldn't call them a struggle obviously, uh, but but lives this lifestyle. Um, You know, people are no longer, they're a primary question that used to be of Christianity, um, is Christianity true? I think that question is still being asked, but I think a question that is probably asked more commonly in our culture is why are Christians such bigots? Um, And I think that's just the, the, the world we live in now—that's that's sort of what we are dealing with as we think about um, trying to be lights. And so that that dynamic um, is good to be aware of as we um, try to be faithful, but also loving in moving towards those with in, in with who are homosexual or transgender. Um, Christopher Yuan he says it's it. You know, you kind of almost need to take a similar approach to these spaces as you would towards a Muslim community or even a Jewish community. If you remember when I talked about Judaism way back last summer, the guy I interviewed, uh, who um, his job is he he evangelizes to Jews. He says that you have to recognize that you are, you are pre-offended. They are, I'm not getting that right, they are pre-offended. Like, the moment they know you're a Christian, you're... You know, you've lost a ton of chips with them. There's all kinds of assumptions they make about you. Um, and the same is true, um, you know, moving towards those uh, with homosexuality or transgender. Is we are, they are pre-offended. They, they've heard all the, the, the platitudes, the Christian platitudes. And so um, we're, we're kind of starting, uh, n- you know, negative 100, if you will, um, in trying to gain ground. So that's just good things to be aware of. Uh, so then let's talk about grace and truth in this sphere. And it's in many ways similar, humility. And um, you know, part of that is listening. But Christopher Yuan, he, said, he, he talks about how, okay, yes, we need to listen to their stories in a similar way that I talked about listening to a believer with these struggles. Um, but you also need to hold integrity in that. Like it can be easy... Let's say um, some, a homosexual friend um, has just um, met a new person who they're dating and, um, and are, you know, moving towards a deeper relationship with. You know, one of the things he says is, you know, probably saying the phrase, I'm so happy for you, is not, not showing integrity to your, your convictions. Um, and so that's probably not the best thing for you to say, is I'm so happy for you, But it but saying, I see that this person means a lot to you. Um, That's a way to still um, be present in that conversation while still holding uh, your conviction. But, uh, and so he says, acknowledging their feelings, uh, that, you know, this person clearly means a lot to you, doesn't mean agreeing with their actions. Um, So humility, respect, again, they are image bearers. Even if they're not a believer, they are still created in God's image, and that should be one of the first things we think about um, when engaging with anyone with this struggle. If you've, who in here has heard Rosaria Butterfield's testimony? Um, okay, so a lot of you. I, I, I'm i encouraged by that. Um, so you probably remember just the, the pastor who moved towards her, and just even the, the first time he had her and her partner over, I'm pretty sure he... Um, you know, he didn't have the air conditioning on because she had deep convictions about um, you know creation care uh, he made a vegan meal um, and they just he, he really just moved towards her to try to be a friend he didn't try to immediately talk about Jesus that wasn't even very high on his radar he was just trying to, to build a relationship with her and, and that's just such a great example of, of how much respect he had towards her and I've heard that there's an interview now. I think uh, the, that pastor has passed away, but I've heard that there's an interview with Rosaria and that pastor after she became a believer, which I'd love to see. Um, and um, Christopher Yuan, he says also part of respect is that language is very important that you use with them. Um, as I said earlier, if you know we often use the language of struggle in, in our circles, struggling with same-sex attraction. They, of course, would not call it a struggle. We call it a lifestyle to them. It's not a lifestyle. It's just who they are. Um, and so we'll talk about, you know, that a little bit more later because with transgender people on whether to use a pronoun, there's there's a little bit different um, approach there that I'll talk about at the end. But um, we need to be able to know the right language to use to... Um, to enter in the best we can with the most wisdom, um, patience, especially when you're when um, you're thinking about maybe a friend who is maybe grew up a Christian and then through um, becoming homosexual or transgender kind of left the faith for those reasons. <laughs> Prayer is our best uh, form of patience, um, and Christopher Yuan's story. Uh, of his mom's prayer life it is unbelievable. So he has another book um, out of a far country, and he's given, if you just even type in Christopher Yuan to the like a podcast app, he's given, him and his mom have given their testimony at so many different places that you can find it pretty easily. But just his mom's faithfulness in praying for him, um, this is one of the prayers that she would pray for him. He said that she would... Um, In her desperation, she fasted every Monday for eight years and once fasted 39 days for me. She spent hours every morning in her prayer closet reading her Bible and interceding for me and many others. She actually wrote out some of her prayers, and this is one of them. She said, I'll stand in the gap for Christopher. I'll stand until the victory is won, until Christopher's heart changes. I'll stand in the gap every day, and there I will fervently pray. And Lord, just one favor, don't let me waver. If things get quite rough, which they may, I'll never give up on that son, nor will you. Though the enemy seeks to destroy you, I'll not quit as I intercede. Though it may take years, I give you my fears and tears as I trust every moment I plead. So, yeah, I just thought that was a, a, an encouraging um, anecdote. Relationship. Um, you know, way more people, I think, are loved into the kingdom than logic into the kingdom, um, though both are important. And um, and so building relationships with them, inviting them into your home, inviting them around your table. You know, if it's someone in your own family, uh, immediate or extended, shower them with your affirmation of love. Christopher Yuan, he talks about how his he would get these cards from his mom um, all the time, and those cards are just a... F- reaffirm her love for him and, and you know he it, in the moment it wasn't much but he, re, he just can look back on how much that actually did help soften him towards her and towards Christ um, and uh, Nancy Piercy gives this uh, story of parents who invited their son's uh, homosexual partner and their son into their home um, and developed a strong relationship with his partner with their son's partner um, and he eventually came to Christ later, and, and part of his testimony was these, these parents um, were the first, the, the father especially, was the first father figure he ever had. I just thought that was a really meaningful story and a good reminder of the importance of cultivating relationship. So grace, um, but truth. So we need to embody the truth, we need to show the truth with our life make Jesus irresistible with how much we love him and how much he's changed us, to be able to talk about what he's meant to us and how much we struggle with sin and, and how much grace we experience from him. Um, I think Christopher Yuan talks a lot about this. Be careful when you're talking about sin. You, you do need to talk about sin to be able to talk about the gospel, obviously. But he says that we can be careful with this. We need to have patience with this. Um, for example... You know, homosexuality is a sin or transgender is a sin. Remember that homosexuality or transgender is, is, is at the core of who they think they are. This is like their identity. It's so core to them. And so those phrases just um, really cut to the core. And obviously the gospel cuts to the core. But Christopher Yuan, his, his, his suggestion um, is to focus more on identity and so, in talking with someone, and if your, your hope is to, you know, be able to have gospel conversations eventually, try to focus more on identity. Who are you? What makes you you? And if their homosexuality or their transgenderism is, is, shows to be part of their core identity, then explore, you know, with them whether one's attraction or whether their gender should be at the core of who they are. Is that, is that the best way to think about identity? And he said it can deepen conversation, and it can maybe allow you to eventually share how you find your identity in Christ and what that means to you. Um, You know, he says the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin, when talking with them, um, is actually not helpful, because all they hear is hate the sin. Um, And so he, he suggests, you know, focus more on Jesus than sin. Yes, you need to get to sin eventually, but... The most important thing is not that we convince them that homosexuality or transgender is sin. That is an important thing, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that they receive Christ as their savior. Their biggest need is salvation from sin, not salvation from gender dysphoria or the, the trans or homosexual lifestyle. Their, their biggest need is salvation from sin. That is their, their biggest um, concern. So speak much more about Jesus and about the facts about whether the Bible is true. Um, one one person whose parents, um, once they were an adult child, their their dad eventually transitioned, came out as as um, transgender, and so he's a pastor now, and and he talked about his desire is to present Jesus in a way that people, that my father or that people would fall in love with Jesus and then turn, and turn them you know, turn away from themselves towards Jesus. And that's that's the most important thing. Um, obviously, though, conversations are going to get tricky. And so Christopher Yuan, he says that if he was asked, is being gay a sin by someone who's not a believer? Um, his response would be, how do you define sin? Or what does it mean to be gay? And so doing that, can deepen the conversation because they're, they're just trying to catch you. They're trying to corner you with a simple answer. You know, is being gay a sin? But if you reply, how do you define sin? You can have a more meaningful discussion and, and, and give more context to it. Or what does it mean to be gay? Because uh, you actually may have different definitions of that. That can deepen the conversation. Or if Christopher Yuan said, if I'm ever asked, do you think gays are going to hell? Um, you know, his reply is, what's your understanding of who deserves God's judgment? So again, that, that deepens the conversation. Um, it, it gives more context to it. Um, I think just part of entering these spaces with truth is just being fully convinced in your own mind. So part of why we're having this class is being able to equip us of, okay, what, is, what does the Bible say about these things? Well, I think understanding your own position well. Um, is important to engage these conversations in a helpful way. Um, and be curious. ask ask more questions than than giving lectures. That's Jesus's way, often of engaging. Any questions on that? Thoughts? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Great question. I think that um, my first instinct is, uh, you know, if they are a believer, obviously there's a lot of layers to that question too. A lot of it depends on your relationship with them, how much you're able to really engage with them and how much of a voice you have with them. Um, But I think you just, um, I think you, you, you listen. You you understand their story. Understand their struggles. Um, but you, in terms of talking truth to them, I mean, obviously you can get more deep into the Bible, and you need to be able to be equipped with um, your biblical convictions and um, be able to 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 go to some of the places in the Bible that that talk about these things and uh, show, um, you know, what what the Bible teaches there and obviously they may have different interpretations um, and that's that's unfortunate you got to hold your convictions but um, yeah you need to, you need to be able to, to, to talk more deeply about what the Bible says um, and obviously throughout history Christians have disagreed so much on what the Bible says on things um, but there's so many helpful resources on um, you know how how the Bible you know a, 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 a kind of a traditional biblical position on these things. And, and um, this Nancy Piercy book is, I think, probably my number one recommendation to, to anyone who's, um, you know, struggling with, who has maybe a relationship like that. Any other, anyone else want to chime in or speak to that? Yes. Yeah. I didn't. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about, you know, there's side A of those are Christians who embrace this, but even side B, is we're we're pretty close to that. because they side B they still. If it's a side B gay, gay person, they're they're not gonna um, engage in the homosexual lifestyle, um, and so that's still very different than side A. And so, how do we move towards side A? It's kind of what the question is. Um, so the position paper helps a little bit, but but not a ton. Was there? A, I saw some more hands up over here. Anyone else want to speak to her question? Christians mm-hmm. it can be very different and that's that's the I think the, of much of the danger, right? absolutely it's a great point to me that I'm a and I'm yeah it's and a great reminder they, that yes Yeah, and we can soften them to that kind of conversation if we show that with our lives too. Like, if we if we have similar reactions to other sins, you know. Does that begin to you know speak to that? Yeah, Ross. Yeah, that's a great question. We've run out of time, so <laughs> shoot, Ross, I ran out of time. I had so many beautiful thoughts about that, and I just am not going to be able to say them. No, but that's good. We'll, 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 we'll touch on that next time. I was, gonna, I was almost done. I was going to talk. There's some specific things in adolescence with transgender that I wanted to share, um, and then I also want to just give a few thoughts on, okay, do we use their new name if they're transgender? Do we use their preferred per- pronoun? I have some thoughts on that. Um, and then uh, yeah so I'll finish this it's probably about five more minutes I'll finish that next week and then we'll get back into Song of Solomon uh, Song of Songs and then we're going to the application out of it next week is going to be on pornography I had an interview with Evan Marbury this past week Me and, we did a zoom call and I recorded it um, and he's a pastor at Christ Central and he just did a doctor of ministry on how the church can come around those struggling with pornography Uh, And it was a really awesome discussion. I'm excited to share his kind of 25-minute interview next week. So hope to see you next week. Uh, Thanks for, you know, your graciousness and engaging with this. And uh, let me pray. Father, we need wisdom. We need help on these things. We thank you that your word um, just equips us in so many ways. We want to be faithful to your word. Um, We also want to be um, just faithful to your command to be Wise as serpents, but innocent as doves in the way that we um, bring your word to the world. So would we be lights um, in the darkness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.